Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. It's a pretty funny sketch. Uh, the trouble is that it reveals a pretty sad truth. Um, did you know statistically, 43% of American families will spend more buying stuff than they earn this year? That's just statistically. And, and 46% of people carry credit card debt. Almost half of the people in the United States are carrying credit card debt. And the average balance is over $16,000. And then if you add in student loans and car loans and a mortgage, the average American debt, family debt is over $262,000. And if you live in the Bay Area and you have a mortgage here, it's probably twice that. (laughs) I mean, that's the reality that we live in. And, and the thing is, it's not just an, a, a financial toll that it takes on us. It takes an emotional toll. It takes a relational toll. Um, it takes a physical toll. Um, the, one of the greatest sources of conflict in marriage is over finances. It is one of the single most um, uh, biggest reasons for divorce. It is. It really is. And, and it affects relationships. It affects the, our, our stress level. Um, it, affects, it affects things to the point where it actually begins to take a physical toll on us. And I don't have to tell you about that because the chances are every one of us in this room are living that reality. That's what we live with. That's the, that's the, the, the culture that we live in that just keeps telling us, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And, and the thing is, while it might be fun to pen, spend money we don't have, it is soul-crushing to live under that burden of trying to pay off the debt. It, it's soul-crushing. And, and about, you know, probably in the ni- late 1990s, Barry Cameron, who is a pastor of uh, Crossroads Church in Texas, um, decided enough. He decided we can't live this way anymore. We are not going to live this way anymore. And he and his family actually made a determination that they were going to do everything they could to get out of debt, even their mortgage. And so they took some very, very severe steps to it. I mean, they changed lifestyle completely. But in a little over three years, they got completely out of debt, including their mortgage. And since 2001, their family has lived debt-free. That's pretty incredible. And so what he did, he, he, he based it basically on godly biblical principles, just following the instructions that Scripture gives us about handling our finances. And, and he actually put it together into a book called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. And, and, and let me tell you why we're going through this whole series. Every Tuesday morning, we take the prayer requests that come in on the connection cards uh, throughout the weekend. And Tuesday morning, as a staff, the first thing we do is we sit down and we pray for the needs that come into our church. One, the greatest need that we get, more often than not, the number one need for prayer is, has, it, has to do with people's health, health issues, um, whatever it might be. The second most common prayer request we get has to do with finances. And so we know that this is a big, big issue for everyone here. And so what we've decided to do is, we, we have for about the last six years offered a Financial Peace University as one of our electives for our Northgate U classes. And the people that have taken that have been incredibly helped and have gotten out of debt or are on the road to getting out of debt. The problem is it's like a 10-week course and it takes a great deal of commitment and work. Um, 
Those very same principles Barry Cameron put into his book, and it's only five weeks long. So we're going to go through this church-wide, and and what we've done is we have purchased enough copies of this book for everyone in this room to get one. So, and we are giving them to you free. We are footing the bill. This is so important and so necessary that we want everybody here on your way out, stop by the table on the left-hand side in the lobby and pick up your free copy and then read it, (laughs) okay? Because he's going to tell you their personal journey and the principles that they put in and how they did. It's going to be very, very practical, very, very helpful. Get your free copy, but read the book. Second thing is, There is a workbook that goes along with it. We are charging you for the workbook (laughs) because it's important that you get skin in the game, that you make some kind of a commitment to this thing. Now, we are charging $3. That's it, okay? And if it's a married couple, you can get two for five, all right? But we want you to do it, and if you only take one as a family, do the work together because if one person learns these things and puts these principles, but the other person does not, it's not going to work. The workbook is how it really happens. So get your copy of the workbook. Now, here's what I found out. We actually had to run them. We ran out of them. <laughs> um, in the first two services, we, gave, uh, we sold all the workbooks that we had. We, have, we ordered an additional 100. They haven't come yet. They should be coming this week. So here's what we did. We photocopied the first chapter. No, don't tell anybody that, but that's what we did. If you will, but the only way is you, can, you can get that first copy, because we want you to get started from the very, very beginning, but you have to buy with the $3. So buy that first chapter, because we can't just photocopy stuff. That's, there's copyright laws in that. But if you are buying the book, we will give you the first chapter so you can get started this week. Bring that back with you next week. Show that you paid, and we will replace it with the full book, Okay. But we want everybody to go through this together. I'm going to say a few things about that up front. But third thing I want you to do is if you are not a part of a community group yet, get into a community group because that's going to be the most helpful for you. Now, you're not going to have to expose your personal finances to a group of strangers, okay? But there will be something that happens in a synergy in a group when we're going to kind of help each other and learn together and and encourage each other along the way. So I encourage you, get the book, buy the workbook, get into a community group. And if you don't get into a community group, at least get the book and buy the workbook and start doing the work in it. Because if you do, you will find financial freedom. And here's the whole thing. I believe, I believe if we all did this If you did this, if we all do this together, it will help our marriages. It will help our relationships. It will leave that, relieve that pressure of that burden of debt that we're carrying. And you will breathe much easier and live more freely. It's that important. Let me tell you a few things up front for this whole series. I'm taking a little bit more time introduction because I want to explain some things. It is a holistic approach. This is not just a series about giving. This is not just a series about budgeting. It's not just a series about getting out of debt. There are, each week, we're going to talk about different principles, and they are godly biblical principles that if you follow them, and I truly believe this, if you will follow them, you will be financially free. So be here each week. Now, here's the other thing I know. Some of you are already thinking, I'm going to miss the next four weeks. Okay, you're going to be tempted to bail on the whole thing because I, you know, hang with us. Just hang with us. 
Go through that and just try implementing the principles and you will find it will make a difference in your life. Um, it's going to be very practical. It will be challenging. It will be uncomfortable. It will even be painful probably. But when you come out the other side, you will breathe. I mean, honestly, wouldn't your life be a lot better if you were financially free? Honestly, wouldn't it? You would just live a better life. Um, now, let me say one more thing. Because this is the topic, and, and we, we hear this from time to time. People say things like, the church is only after my money. Okay? So let me talk to you about that a little bit. That is not true. That is not true. If you have been around Northgate for any length of time, you know that is not what we are about. We, we believe that God is a generous God, and we are called to live generous lives. Um, but it's not about us getting anything. And if you don't believe that, if you're new to Northgate, I want to let you know, in the last four and a half years, between our dollar club, between the community events that we have put on, between the special offerings we've taken for needs in the community um, at Christmas time and what we've done at Mother's Day and Father's Day and the ways that we've invested in our community, over the last four and a half years, what has gone out from this church into our community is over $364,000, okay? That has gone out from our resources into the community. And I don't tell you that to give us a pat on the back. What I'm saying to you is we are all about living generous lives. We serve a generous God. We want to reflect him. And by the way, none of that, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Um, uh, it doesn't count any of the money and funds that we've raised for uh, wells in our walk for water. It does not count. Um, it doesn't count the Thanksgiving meals that we give out. It doesn't count the adoptive family program where we sponsor people and families for Christmas time. It doesn't count on the ongoing ministries that we have to our children and, and to uh, our, our youth and, and to families. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't even count the coffee that you get free in the cafe every Sunday, okay? And, and I understand. I understand sometimes where people are coming from when they talk about the church being out, uh, out for my money, because I have seen the same abuses that you have seen. Yeah, I've, I've seen all of that, and it bothers me too. This is not some prosperity doctrine, and I can assure you I am not saving up for my own private Learjet. I'm just going to let you know that up front, okay? This is intended to help you, and it will help you if you will follow these principles. Something else, we have never sent a bill to anybody for any of the ministry that we offer. Try that with any other business, okay? Right, we're not in the business. We're, we're about ministry, and we have never denied ministry and service to anybody because they couldn't afford it. We are about giving, but to give and to live generous lives, we need to be generous people. And so, for the next five weeks, what we're going to talk about is how God views money. Because here's the thing. If we understand and see things how God sees them, okay, then what he asks us to do makes more sense. Andy Stanley put it this way, put it this way, when we see as God sees, we'll be more likely to do as God says. When we see as God sees, when we look at things, when we look at our marriages the way God sees our marriages, then, then we will do what he says about marriage. When we look at our relationships the way God looks at our relationships, then it'll be much more likely that we will do as he says about our relationships. When we look at our enemies the way God sees us and tells us to look at our enemies, it's more likely that we will do as he tells us to do with our enemies. 
And the same thing is true with our finances. And all of Jesus' earthly ministry was to help people see things the way God sees them so that they would understand and do what he tells them. And he did this in the area of finances more than any other thing. And more often than not, when he did it, he did it by telling stories. We call them parables. And that's where we're going to start today. Just helping people see what God has to say about money. And if you want to turn there, it's in Matthew chapter 25. And it's a story that Jesus told about the kingdom of God. He said, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. The man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting what you've not sown, gathering what you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested what I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are for the next five weeks going to look at God's attitude, how God sees money. And we're starting this ABCs with A. And this, I'm not telling you these are easy as ABC, but it starts with A, which stands for attitude. Because it all starts with our attitude. And if we're going to achieve financial freedom, if you are going to achieve financial freedom, if I'm going to have financial freedom, it's got to, then we've got to change our attitude when it comes to this idea of ownership. Because the truth is, we are not owners, we're managers. We are not owners, we're management. See, we fall for a lie that sounds like the truth. And the lie is this, it's my money. I worked for it. I earned it, I put in the effort for it, I deserve it, it's my money. And Jesus says, not so fast. He tells the story. This is how he starts the story. He says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted what? His wealth. His wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Whose wealth? The owner's wealth. 
They were the managers of it. Now, I think a lot of times we give lip service to that idea. We think intellectually, we say, oh, yeah, 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 God's the owner of everything. But when it comes to how we actually live it out and how we manage our finances, we're really telling a different story. It's like a story I heard a number of years ago uh, about a man who took his son out for a special meal together, treating him to McDonald's. And they went to McDonald's together, just him and his son, young son, and they went and he, and he bought him the happy meal because everybody wants to be happy. And he bought him, he bought him actually the supersized happy meal. And then they got and they sat down and they started unpacking the box and he put his burger in front of him and took out the little prize and gave that to him and grabbed the french fries and put it there. And as he put the french fries down, he just grabbed one and stuck it in his mouth. And his son said, Dad, those are my french fries. And his dad thought to himself, my son does not know where these fries came from. He he doesn't understand that if I wanted to, I could take all of his fries (laughs) Or in fact, he doesn't understand, if I really wanted to, I could buy all the fries I want for myself. In fact, I could buy fries for myself, and I could buy enough fries to bury them in a mountain of French fries. He doesn't understand that this was a meal that we went out to share together. He doesn't understand who is the Lord of the fries. Oh, come on, that was pretty good. I made that one up all by myself. (laughs) See, that's the deal. If we don't get the ownership part right, nothing else is going to make sense. If we're going to see as God sees, then we're going to do as God says. But if we don't see as he, we don't get this part right, nothing else is going to make sense. King David understood this. When they took a collection to build that first temple in Jerusalem, and he was a part of that collecting, and and all these people gave above and beyond, and they brought all those gifts together and all the resources to be able to build the temple, and it all came together. David stood in front of all the people, and he made this prayer to God. And there with all the people, as a part of that prayer, he said this, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. This is the only reason we can give back to this thing is because you gave it to us in the first place. He is the owner, and if we don't get the ownership right, then nothing else makes sense. We will continue to make the same bad financial decisions, continue to get ourselves into deeper and deeper debt, and live with the stress and pain that comes with it. We've got to get this one right. Because when, when people get it right, what happens is what happened in the first century church. Go back and read Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. One of the things that happened when people got their lives in line with God, when they decided to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ, one of the first things that happened is they became generous. And in Acts chapter 4, it says, they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had, and God's great blessing was on them all. And there were no needy people among them. That is an incredible statement. What would it look like in a church if there were no needy? These were not wealthy people. Some were, some had some resources and they sold their resources to be able to help those who were in need. But but the, 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 the principle was they understood who was the owner. And that's where it's got to start. 
We've got to understand who's the owner. And then when we understand that we are not the owners, we are the managers, then we got to change. Then that changes our whole attitude about responsibility. Because now I understand we're responsible to advance the owner's goals, not our own. If he's the owner, I'm the manager. My job and my responsibility is not to satisfy myself. It's to advance his goals. If you had a financial advisor and you gave him all of your money that's your retirement, and you said, okay, here, I'm saving up for my retirement. I trust you. I'm going to give you this. You make it. You put it to work for me. And you found out a week later that he took your money and went and bought a year-long round-the-world vacation. How would you feel about that financial manager? What are you doing? This not to buy money. I didn't give that to you to take a vacation. I gave it to you to invest so I would have a retirement when I quit working. Because he was a man, he was supposed to be a manager, not the owner. See, here's the second lie. The first lie is it's my money. Second lie is that we buy into. I can do what I want with it. Nobody can tell me. I can do what I want because it's my money. And that, too, is a lie. The owner entrusted his resources to his servants so that they would carry on his business. And the first two understood that. It says that the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five back. Went at once and put the money to work. Gained five bags more. So also the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, here's what you need to understand. What he gave to them was no small amount of money. Some of the older uh, translations we have said five talents, uh, two talents, one talent. A talent was a measurement of weight. It was actually the heaviest measurement of weight in those days. And it was roughly equivalent to about 75 pounds U.S., So one bag of gold at today's price of gold, one talent would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.6 million. That's for the one bag, okay? He was incredibly generous with these guys and incredibly trusting. But he trusted them. Even the one bag guy, maybe he didn't trust them quite so much. That's why he only got one bag. But he still believed he could do it. He said he gave to each of them according to their ability. See, if my responsibility is to advance God's goals with God's resources, then it's got to change the way that I handle everything. There are basically five uses for money, five ways to use money. You can spend it, and we do that really well. You can pay debt with it, because that's the stuff that you already spent more than you had. You can pay taxes. Well, you don't really get a chance on, choice on that one. It comes right out up the top. You can save it, and you can give it. Basically, those are the five uses of money. It's really not anything more than that. Now, here's what I want you to think about. We've done this before. If I spend money, who benefits? Not a hard question. Me. If I spend money, I buy stuff for me. If I pay debt with it, pay my debt with it, who benefits from that? Me. Right? If I pay my taxes, theoretically, who benefits? (laughs) Me. 
well, we as a nation, but me, I get some benefit from that. If I save it, who benefits? Me. When I give, who benefits? God. Sadly, this is exactly the order that we handle our finances. We spend it on me. We pay our debts, my debt, me. I pay taxes. Well, actually, maybe that one comes up at the front. I'm not really sure. But again, it's towards me. And if I save it, if there's a little bit left and I save it, and then when I get to the end, if there happens to be a little left over, then I give it. That is not the order that God says it should go. Actually, it should be exactly the reverse. We should start with giving. Then we should be saving. Then, yeah, pay your taxes, pay off your debt, and then whatever's left over, that's what you spend. Jesus put it this way. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you go back and you look, look that up. Matthew chapter 6, the context of that teaching was not about going to church. The context of that teaching was not about reading your Bible and studying your Bible. The context of that teaching was not in the context of anything that has to do with what we normally think of as spiritual disciplines. If you read it, that sentence comes at the end of a teaching about money. Because that's one of the things he talked more about than anything else. He said, seek first his kingdom with money and his righteousness with your money and all these other things, they'll be given to you as well. See, that's God's order. You put him first, then all those other four you can do on your own. Those are all for you. Which goes to the last principle and the last attitude that needs to change. If God's the owner and I'm responsible to advance his goals then it has to change my attitude when it comes to trust. And the thing about trust is our giving to God is the first step to financial freedom. And that goes to the third lie that we have bought into. It's my money. I can do with it what I want. And I can manage this on my own, on my own terms. And if I could borrow a phrase from Dr. Phil... How's that working out for you? <laughs> Honestly. Because if that were true, none of us would be in the mess we might be in right now. If we could manage it on our own, we would have done that. See, but we have bought into that lie. And, and it's completely opposite of the way that God teaches us. And this, I know, this seems counterintuitive. This is where you get the most pushback because you look at that and you say, wait, giving is the first step? Giving is the way to get out of my financial problems? Giving is the first step to financial freedom? That doesn't make any sense. I should pay off my debt if I want to be financially free. I should make sure that I don't have a tax bill if I want to be, I should, no, no, no. Giving is the first step because you need to understand how God's economy works. And what happens is so often when we get ourselves into financial problems, the first cut that we make is giving to God. And that should be the last one. But typically, I can't give to God. I, I, I've, got to, I've got bills to pay. I can't give to God. I've got debt. I, when I pay off my debt, 
get caught up on my bills, then I can give to God. No, no, no. Giving is the first step. Giving to God is the first step. Here's what you say. Look at this. And here's how it works. The first two come back. And they present. They've doubled the resources. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful what? What? A few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. Now, just stop for a moment. Wouldn't you, if you found a financial planner, a financial advisor, a financial investor, and you gave him a certain amount of money and he doubled it for you, would you give him more? Absolutely, I would. If I could find somebody that could double my money, man, I'd give you it all. You see, this is the point, and this is why giving is the first step. Because if it all comes from God, and I prove that I am trustworthy with the resources he's given me, now he knows he can trust me with more. More importantly, now I know I can be entrusted with more. And it's not more to spend on myself. It's to be a better channel of his resources. Because he's the owner I'm the manager. It's his goals, not mine. And the way that I get back is by giving away. And that is, a, that is all the way through Scripture. And what it ultimately comes down to is that idea of trust. It's what do you believe about God? What do you believe the truth about God? Because this is what the last guy did. This is what he said. This was his excuse. I knew that you were a hard man. Now, that is completely false. He didn't know his master. His master had given him $1.6 million and entrusted it with him. That's not hard. That's generous. And that is incredibly trusting. He says, no, I, I, no, I knew you were a hard man. You, you, you harvest where you've not sown. You gather where you haven't scattered seed. I was afraid. He didn't understand his master, nor did he understand his master's way of doing business. God's economy we're completely the opposite of the U.S. economy. God's economy is, you prove trustworthy and faithful. I know I can trust you with more. And that is not just one place in Scripture where this is taught. It is all throughout Scripture. Proverbs 11, Old Testament. This is just one verse, Proverbs 11. One person gives freely, yet what? Gains even more. Another withholds unduly, comes to poverty. That's how God's economy works. That's how it works for him. Jesus put it this way. Give, and it will be given to you. Not just given to you, but a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. Now again, this is not some crazy prosperity doctrine. This is just understanding how God's economy works so that we can get on board with what he is doing. Generosity is the goal of financial freedom. Just like if you had no bills to pay, if you had no debt to have to pay, and you had that much money available, you read Barry Cameron's book, he said they, they, they are so financially free, he can give a 100% tip to a waiter or waitress. It's incredible. Now, it took them a while. And they made some very severe cuts and changes to their, to their lifestyle. But coming out the other side, freedom. 
And I will tell you, 40 years ago, when my wife and I got married, one of the principles that we put in place in our finances from day one was that we will always give back to God first. Not of the leftovers. Always first. And we maintained that through some of the leanest times in our life. And we made a lot of financial bad decisions along the way, but that is the one that we never violated. Never. And I will stand here today and tell you, we never went without food on the table. We never went without clothes on our back. We never went without a place to call home. Oh, it it was lean sometimes, trust me. We would buy, when Kraft macaroni and cheese went on sale, five boxes for a dollar, we stocked up. And we lived on Kraft, I never want to eat Kraft macaroni and cheese again in my life. I am done with Kraft macaroni and cheese. But, but we, Betty and I were just talking about this the other day. I said, I never dreamed I would live the life that I live. I never dreamed I would live in the community that I live in, in the house that I live in, with the resources. I never dreamed that I would be able to do the things that I am able to do. And it is all because of God's blessing. And just about every night, as I lay my head on my pillow, I say, thank you, Lord. You have so blessed my life more than I deserve. And I think it's because we trusted him. I I know it's because we trusted him and said, no matter what, God, we will be faithful to you. And he has been more than faithful to us. Would you bow your heads with me? This is really so important because financial freedom, that that affects every other area of our lives. And and the whole reason we're doing this is not not so we can get something from you. We want to help you. This might be the most important decision you make outside of that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And it has been my prayer leading up to this series that, that, that we would all get it. That we would change that attitude, that we would, would fully, and even the best of us at managing our monies, we can all do better at it. So I'm just encouraging you to hang in there, learn these principles, start practicing them, and just see if your life doesn't get better because of it. Now, maybe you're here, and we do this every weekend. You might be here, and you are not a Christ follower. Um, and, and you walked in these doors, and you went, oh, psh, there they go. Church is talking about money again. Listen, this is not about buying indulgences. This is not about paying your way into heaven. Jesus already did that on the cross. He paid the ultimate price for you, and he turned around and offered this new life to you freely as a gift of his grace. And if you're here today and you don't know that life, and it has nothing to do with what we talked about today, but you just know God's been talking to you. And, and, and that's why you came here today. And, and maybe today it's a first step of faith, just being willing to admit, God, I have made a mess of things. 
I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need to put my life in your hands. And today, you've never done it before, but today it's just a first step of faith, acknowledging your need, admitting your sin, and receiving his grace. And if you want to do that today, we do this every week, and I want to give you opportunity. I don't want to miss that chance. So if that describes you and you're ready to take that first step, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment? Look up, catch my eye, because I want to let you know that I see you and acknowledge you. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> I don't get it. How you could talk about money and people give their lives to Christ, except that's what the Holy Spirit does. And if you raised your hand, I just want to invite you to just make this your prayer. Lord, here I am with my mistakes, with my failures, with my faults, with my sin. I can't fix it. I can't go back and undo it. I can just give it to you. It's my only hope. Would you, by your grace, take that work that you did on the cross and forgive me and give me this new life? I want to follow you in Jesus' name. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that we would get that shift in our attitude, start seeing the things things the way that you see them so that we would begin to do the way you say we should do them and that we would grow together as a church and find that freedom that you want for our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.